Hi, and welcome to the Little Ferraro Kitchen Food Show. I am Samantha with the Little Ferraro Kitchen. I'm a food blogger, a cookbook author, and a cooking instructor. On this show, we'll be talking all about weeknight cooking, recipes, fun ingredients. Basically, if you love cooking and love talking about food, this is the place to be. Welcome back to the Little Ferraro Kitchen cooking show. My name is Samantha Ferraro, your host. And if you love cooking and talking about food, especially during the holidays, you are in the right place. So don't go anywhere. I feel like I've been saying this for the last few weeks, but we are in full holiday cooking mode. If you have seen our kitchen and follow me on Instagram, you may have seen all the lovely dishes that we have been cooking and putting out, appetizers and main dishes and sweets and treats and fried treats for Hanukkah, lots of yummy things. Our kitchen smells great. I'm exhausted, but it's been a fun few weeks. On this week's episode, we have a lot of fun recipes to talk about. This month is a big holiday month. There's Hanukkah, Christmas, New Year's, and depending on what you are cooking for, whether it's for Hanukkah or Christmas Eve or Christmas main dishes or Christmas breakfast, we will chat a little bit about everything to get you inspired in the kitchen. And this year is actually a really fun one because Hanukkah falls on Christmas this year. So if you wanted to play around with different cuisines and cultures and kind of get to know more about Hanukkah food or vice versa, more about Christmas food, you can have fun with some of the recipes and intertwine them. So we'll talk a little bit about everything to get you some cooking inspiration. Before we get into holiday cooking, I always like to share what we've been cooking in our kitchen over the last few weeks. And it's been a delicious one. We've been cooking a lot for the website and social media and getting lots of holiday recipes out there. But we also like to make easy weeknight flavorful meals. And this last week, well, just a few days ago before I started recording this, we made such a delicious steak salad. We made a chimichurri steak kind of like a taco salad. And I use a chimichurri sauce from a company called Full Olive. They are an Argentinian specialty foods company based right in Seattle. And they have some delicious products. And one of them is this jar of smoky chimichurri sauce. And it's lots of herbs and oil. And it's a little smoky. And there's also like a nice hit of vinegar. So if you haven't had a chimichurri sauce, usually you'll see this really bright herbaceous sauce with oil and lots of chopped herbs and sometimes there's chilies in there. Well, this one has a little bit of a tweak to it where it's smoky and a little bit more uh, savory, I would say. So what I did was I took some of that sauce and I basted it on a flank steak. And I just let that sit for as long as I was prepping dinner. So it took about 40 minutes. And I took a few hefty teaspoons, put it all over the steak, let it hang out in there. And as it was sitting, that vinegar from that sauce was gently kind of breaking down the muscle tissue in the steak to tenderize it. Once that was done, I took a cast iron skillet and got it really, really, really hot. A little oil in there got really hot and then seared the flank steak for about four to five minutes on each side until there was a nice char on the outside, but it was still medium or medium rare in the middle. The thing with any kind of protein is you always want to let it sit at room temperature before you start cooking it because this just helps the temperature of the protein uh, get more even so 
you have a more even cooking. So since that steak was sitting out at room temperature before I started cooking it, it browned up really nicely. So once that was seared on both sides, I took it off the cast iron and then let it sit on a cutting board for another five, 10 minutes. And again, that is just helping the protein kind of get all those juices back and not, you know, have those juices fall out. Because if you do cut steak too soon, all of those beautiful juices that you work so hard will start to pour out and then making your meat a little dry. So anytime you are searing steak or any protein, let it rest for a while after you're cooking with it, and you will have a much juicier product. So once the steak rested, I sliced it against the grain, which is a little hard to say when I'm talking about it. But if you did look at a piece of meat, you will see these natural muscle fibers that run along the meat, and that holds the muscle together. So when you want to cut it, you want to cut it on the opposite direction. So if you saw these muscles going up and down, you would want to cut it the other way, because that will make a better bite and cut through those fibers so you can chew it better and it has a more tender meat. So I sliced the meat up into slices and then we just made our delicious hearty taco salad. We had some spicy corn, which is just some blackened frozen corn with some jalapeno, salt and pepper, sometimes some garlic. I made a really simple guacamole. I had some romaine lettuce and in that fat that I cooked the steak in, there was still some really yummy flavors in that pan. I happened to have some bell peppers, so I sliced those up real quick and then sauteed that in the same cast iron which was really nice because the bell peppers were able to pick up any of those chimichurri flavors that were left over. And then I added that to the salad as well. So I layered up all the salad. I made a really simple dressing of salsa and ranch dressing. It's kind of like my secret go-to when I don't want to think too much. It's a really simple, spicy, slightly creamy dressing. And I just did a quick drizzle, some black pepper, and dinner was served. And it was so colorful and so flavorful. And that chimichurri was so delicious on that steak. It was herby and slightly smoky. It was really lovely. And I would love to try that also on some shrimp or some chicken, I think it would be absolutely delicious. So that is what we had this week. Now let's talk all about holiday recipes. This is the time to really make impressive dishes, whether it's for Christmas breakfast or Christmas Eve or Christmas main dish or even Hanukkah. This is the time to make some impressive meals. So we're going to chat about the first holiday that's coming up. Hanukkah is coming up. It starts on the 18th and Hanukkah lasts for eight nights. So there's a lot of cooking during the week. But what is so traditional for Hanukkah is frying foods, specifically something called latkes, which are potato pancakes. And there's other things that you can fry. There's donuts and I mean, really anything you want to fry, you, you can eat during the week. And then sometimes people also will make a nice dinner with latkes. But as a main course, they might do something like a brisket or roast chicken or short ribs and a nice salad because because there are so many fried foods that we need something fresh. I'll tell you a little story. About 11 years ago was the first time I started making latkes. And I have very fond memories of my mom making latkes when I was little. And if you're not familiar, basically what you do is you shred potatoes and onion and you bind it together and you fry it in these little pancakes and they're really, really delicious. And you would eat them with either sour cream and or applesauce. It's a very controversial topic question to ask people. Do you eat your latkes with sour cream or applesauce? 
off. And 11 years ago, I was asking my mom, I said, Mom, how do you make your latkes? For years, everybody would talk about my mom's latkes. And now that I cook so much, I didn't realize, but I don't think we owned a measuring spoon or measuring cup growing up. So when I was asking my mom, she said, oh, you know, you do a few potatoes and an onion and a little zucchini and you add some eggs, but not too much. <laughs> and there was just no measuring. And she said, oh, I, you know, I didn't measure. You just feel it. So over the years, I took that recipe, if you want to call it a recipe, and I ran with it. And I just figured it out. And I did the feel. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like my mom's classic potato latkes. I'll tell you how to make it. If you want to make a classic potato latke, what you want to do is take some russet potatoes and peel them. Now, you can do this one or two ways. Traditionally, you have to grate the potatoes. And when I was growing up, we would use a basic box grater, which took a lot of time, but it was worth it. But nowadays, if you have a food processor, you can have a shred attachment that goes on top of the food processor, which makes it super easy. So either way, as long as you grate the potatoes, that's the end goal. So you get a few potatoes, I would say about three to four good sized russet potatoes, peel them, get a nice sweet onion or a yellow onion. And the trick that my mom added was a little zucchini. And it was really nice because potatoes can be really starchy. And the zucchini just gives it a little brightness. So you want to grate the zucchini. And then the trick to latkes after you grate everything is you have to squeeze out the moisture. Because when you fry it, it has to be nice and dry. So you have to do some batches, you take the shreds, you put it in a kitchen towel and squeeze it out. Then you add all the shreds to a large bowl, and this is when you add all your binding ingredients. So a few eggs, flour, my mom did matzo meal. And if you're not familiar, matzo meal is ground up matzo, which can be harder to find this time of year. So if you can't find that, just use flour or a gluten-free flour blend. Add that Give it a good mix. It shouldn't be too watery. I also salt it really well. And then you want to get a nice wide skillet, super, well, not super, but hot with oil to about 350, 360 degrees Fahrenheit. And then I take a tablespoon and I scoop up some of the potato mixture. I put it in the oil and I fry it until it's golden brown on the first side, which takes about four minutes. If your oil sizzles right away, that means it's ready. If it doesn't, you need to get it a little bit hotter. And then I fry the latkes, I turn them over, I continue frying them until they're perfectly golden brown. And then I set it aside on a wire rack so the oil can drain. And they should be lovely and crispy, but tender in the middle. And there is absolutely nothing like it. Now, over the years, I've taken that base recipe and ran with it. And really, you can make latkes out of any root vegetable. As long as it's dry or you can squeeze out the moisture, you can have fun with your latkes. And over the years, I've made all sorts of latkes based on those classic latkes. I've done butternut squash. I've done sweet potato, parsnip, yucca. So have fun with it. <laughs> it's really fun to have different types of latkes with different toppings. It's fun and colorful. But those are some of my tips for making great latkes. And I will include recipes in the show notes. 
The next holiday we are chatting about is Christmas Eve, which is also a really big cooking holiday. When I asked some of my friends and some readers when they cook for, a lot of them said Christmas Eve and not Christmas Day. And what I found is a lot of people like to make either Italian food or if you celebrate the Feast of the Seven Fishes, which I would love to because I love love seafood, you can do a seafood dinner for Christmas Eve. So if you are cooking seafood and Italian, I have the perfect recipe, which is linguine and clams, something I absolutely adore. It's one of my favorite things to make. And linguine and clams is not hard to make. Clams cook up really quickly. The longest part of clams is cleaning them because they can have some sand in there. If you know how to make steamed clams, you know how to make linguine and clams because really you can just add pasta right to your steamed clams. But what you want to do is you want to get some fresh clams and you don't need too much because what I like to do is the base of my clam sauce for my pasta, I use canned clams, which is absolutely delicious and half of the work. But I do like to have some fresh clams for looks as well. So what I would do is get some fresh clams. You want to wash them and clean them really well so you can soak them in some water. Sometimes you can even put a little flour in there and that kind of helps the clams spit out any sand. And you might have to do this a few times depending on how much sand the clam has. And then if you have some kind of potato brush or kind of a bristly brush, you can also brush the outside of the clam just in case it has any kind of, I don't know, any kind of residual rock or sand attached to it, just so you have a nice clean clam. Once your clams are clean, they can hang out for a little bit while you start prepping your sauce. And I do want to say, if you are working with fresh clams or mussels, I definitely would get it no more than a day ahead. That's one of the things that you have to have fresh. You can't let it sit in your fridge ahead of time. So if you do get clams, get them no more than a day ahead, even the day of if you can. While the clams are sitting, start with your sauce. I like to get a nice wide skillet or pot, drizzle it with some olive oil, saute some garlic. And this is where you can kind of have fun with a little bit of the flavors. I like spicy, so I add a little bit red pepper flakes. And if you want more of a tomato, not a tomato base, but a little hint of sweet tomato, I like to chop some tomato, add that in, saute everything together. And those canned clams have so much flavor with the clam meat and the clam juice. So add that right to your pot, add a good splash of white wine, and bring everything up to a simmer just to cook off that wine. From there, I leave it alone. And then this is a good time to add those fresh clams in. Now, clams naturally can be a little salty. They also give off some more liquid. So I don't add any more liquid because when you add the clams, you'll see you'll have a good amount of saucy liquid for your pasta. I also usually don't add any additional salt. You can taste it afterwards, but shellfish can be a little salty. So just hold off on the salt until you are ready to taste it and serve. Add those fresh clams in, and I like to put a cover over the pot and just let those beautiful clams steam until just opened up. And this takes anywhere from four to six minutes. You'll see the clams give off a lot more liquid, which is perfect for your pasta. So while the clams are cooking, you already have your pasta water boiling. I like to use linguine for this or even spaghetti. And then once your clams are opened up, take the cover off, add the cooked pasta right to the clams, and then just toss everything together. If you have any fresh parsley or basil just to wake up those flavors, add that in as well. And that is linguine and clams. Honestly, one of my absolute favorite, favorite meals. 
Now, if you are cooking for Christmas Day dinner, this is usually a time to make a nice protein. So maybe a rib roast or a rack of lamb or filet mignon. And I have a recipe that you would really like. Well, I have a few. One of them, and I may have talked about this before, is a pistachio crusted rack of lamb. It is such a beautiful presentation because you have these bright pistachios that encrust a rack of lamb and it just looks really impressive, but it's actually not that hard to do. What I like to do is I take a rack of lamb, I dry it really well, and I also season it with some salt and pepper. Sometimes I will marinate it in some garlic and herbs and let that sit for a few hours. And when you are ready to cook, what I like to do is I take a cast iron skillet, I get it really, really hot, and I sear the rack of lamb right in that cast iron. So it's nice and and, uh, crusty and charred on the outside but still rare in the middle. Now, depending on how thick your rack of lamb is, you might have to finish it in the oven. And also depending on what kind of temperature, internal temperature that you like. If you like it on the rare side, I would just do a really good hard sear for maybe three minutes per side. But if you like it a little bit more uh, medium well, pop it in the oven at, I would say, 400 degrees and then just let it go for a few minutes just to cook a little bit more in the middle. Once your rack of lamb is done, let it rest slightly and then brush it with some Dijon mustard, just a nice thin layer all over the meaty part of the rack of lamb. And this is the fun part. So take some chopped pistachios. I like to do some raw pistachios because they are beautiful and bright green. And I just take that rack of lamb and I just press it into those crushed up chopped pistachios. And what happens is the nuts will adhere to the rack of lamb because you add that Dijon mustard. The Dijon is delicious, but also acts as a glue. And it's just such a beautiful presentation because you have this nice piece of meat and you have this beautiful bright green crusted rack and it's just really delicious. And then when you're ready to slice, just slice it uh, through the bones. That way everyone has a little lamb chop or you can do a double lamb chop and it's just really impressive. Another main course we can chat about, this is not on my website yet, but we can talk about it, is a classic rib roast. This is such an impressive main dish, and a lot of people make a nice rib roast for Christmas dinner, and it's really not hard to make. So what you want to do is you want to get a nice size rib roast. Now, we kind of play around with about a half a pound-ish of meat per person, and we just tested a recipe with a four-pound rib roast, and And just keep in mind, as you roast it, it does shrink up. So what we did was we got a rib roast, a boneless rib roast, and we encrusted it with lots of flavor. So salt and pepper. We chopped up a lot of herbs, such as sage and rosemary, thyme and parsley. We grated a lot of garlic and we mixed everything together with some softened butter. So essentially we made a soft compound butter. Once your meat is patted dry, which is another tip I like to share, is I I take some paper towels and I pat the protein dry very well. 
This helps any seasonings or marinades stick to the meat better. So I take that compound butter and I rub it all over the rib roast. I put it in a cast iron skillet and I popped it in a preheated oven. Now I started it on high at about 450 degrees. I think it was 450 or 500. And that just kind of locks everything in. It gets a nice initial crust on the rib roast. And then from there, you want to lower the temperature. I think I did 325 degrees Fahrenheit. And the rough rule is depending on how many pounds of meat you have, you want to cook it at that lower temperature for about 13 to 14 minutes per pound for a medium, rare, or medium. We prefer more on the rare side. So we did it for about 13 minutes per pound. We had, I think, a three and a half pound meat. So it took a good 45-ish minutes. And you just want to let it go low and slow until it is about 125 internally. And then just like the other meats, when you take it out, let it rest for at least 10 minutes. So all those beautiful juices. And what you're going to see is this gorgeous rib roast with a nice herby garlicky crust on the outside and incredibly tender medium rare meat in the middle. And from there, we just slice it up. And I like to serve it really simply with some horseradish or a sour cream horseradish. You could also do an au jus, which is like a beef broth flavor uh, that a lot of people serve rib roast with. And on the side, you can serve it with some mashed potatoes or some roasted Brussels sprouts or green beans. And it's such a delicious, impressive, rich dinner that is perfect for a Christmas dinner. I hope some of these recipes give you inspiration to cook for the holiday season. As always, if you are looking for more recipes, you can find me all over the web. I'm on Instagram at Ferraro Kitchen. I'm on Facebook at Little Ferraro Kitchen. And for more recipes, head to my website, littleferrarokitchen.com. I would love to hear what you are making for the holidays, so please let me know. And until then, happy cooking and happy holidays.